Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. today. It's never a bad day to gather with the Lord's people to celebrate Jesus. I was thinking, we're celebrating Independence Day of this great nation, but the really the reason why we get to celebrate Independence Day is kind of twofold, because we say that because we live in a free nation, we're able to celebrate Jesus freely, but because Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again, we even have this nation. This nation its laws and its its founders, they based all this stuff out of what Jesus did. So, I mean, the reality is we're celebrating our country. We're celebrating our country because it allows us to worship Jesus freely. But we have this country because Jesus died on the cross and rose again. So it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, and we live in this great, amazing, amazing country. Um, Nothing's more American than gathering together, eating meat, and blowing crap up, right? I mean, that is, come on. Like, I'm glad that we have the 4th of July as a holiday, because it just makes my beard growing thicker every year. It increases my testosterone levels. It's, It's really great for my health, actually, except when I blow a finger off. You know, but but today we're launching into a series called Jonah, and I've been thinking about this message for about two weeks, and, and I was going to go through the whole first chapter today, and I'm not going to do that, because the more I thought about it, I think there's, there's obviously a theme in Jonah, but today we're actually just going to look at uh, just a few short verses We're looking at Jonah 1 through 3. And the Lord really put on my heart to convey this today. God sees you. God sees you. And I believe that this message is for people who feel like 
God, where are you? This message is for people who feel like they've done too much. This message is for people who feel like, God, are you hearing me? And if you don't qualify for any of that, this message is for you too. Because you might say, oh, everything's good. God still sees you. So let's jump in and let's read this real quick. One through three. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amentai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. And this is a great prophet of God. Jonah, he's considered a minor prophet, not because he was short or anything like that. He just has a small book in the Bible. It's only four chapters, but there's a lot here. Jonah is a prophet. He hears from God. Clearly, the Lord spoke to him. And and we're going to get into this next week. God sees you. Next week, I'm going to tell you my title. God loves you. But God sees you, and Jonah's running. And, and this idea here, he bought a ticket. A better understanding of what he really did is he chartered a ship. If you study it out, he didn't just buy a ticket on board. He reserved the whole ship by himself, to get away from God. And I, I was like, how many times does God do that to me? He tells me to do something, and I kind of run from him. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that, God. Jonah, if, if you are, if you've ever done that, the Lord asked you to do something, maybe he, he told you to, to call someone, maybe he told you to pray for someone, maybe he, he told you to do something awkward in a store, like walk up and start a conversation with some, You know, if God done something like that, and you're like, I don't want to do it, and you kind of ran, I guarantee you, you didn't charter a ship to get away from God. So there's still hope. Don't beat yourself up. You didn't do this. But what really hit me here is in verse 2. If you could go back to verse 2. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Nineveh is a big city. It was so big, it said that it would take three days to walk across. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And the, the Assyrians, we know from history, were very very, very cruel people. Like, Nineveh is, by some accounts, is called the city of blood because of the number of people they would sacrifice to their gods. Their streets would run with blood. And in Nineveh, they worshipped a god named Dagon. Now, you might recognize that name because the Philistines also worshipped Dagon. Um, but it's the same god. It's a fish god. Ironically, I think it's almost like God knows what he's doing to get a message heard. But it's a fish god, 
and it's a fish god of fertility. And um, it's in ancient mythology or religion, it, it was said that Dagon was the father of Baal. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament, Baal was like the thorn in Israel's side. They would always go back and worship Baal and Asherah. And Asherah and Baal were like siblings. And it's a, it's a weird mythology, but Baal was a, a for, like a harvest fertility god as well. And, and Dagon was his father. And how you worshipped fertility or harvest gods was very immoral. Like at their temples, they would just have prostitutes everywhere. It was just horribly immoral. It was just a front. Like not just heterosexual, but it was homosexual. It was everything that, that you tried to entice through physical worship. And on, on top of that, then then, then, then children's sacrifice. It was just immoral and wicked. And like, like it got worse with Baal, but it started with Dagon. And God said it came up before him. And there's another time in, in history where sin came up before God. And God's like, get your cousin Lot out of Sodom. I'm about to blaze that place. But the, the, the crazy thing about God's judgment, though, because sometimes we can get caught on God's judgment. God's judgment's always an act of love. Really, it is. It is an act of love. Because even... With Sodom and Gomorrah, I believe God would have spared it if Abraham didn't stop. Abraham stopped going down. God never told him to stop. Abraham stopped. I, I think that so often we, we fall short and God's like, I'm willing to go down because God loves people. God loves people. And here he's pronouncing judgment on Nineveh. But I'm gonna get. I'm gonna skip ahead. I'm gonna spoil it. They repent, and God spares them. But not just on top of their idol worship at Dagon. The Assyrians were really awful to the children of God. They terrorized them, like they would send armies in, and and, and just like famine would hit because they would do. Uh, they would siege cities, and they were just awful to the children of God. And there's a reason why Jonah didn't just dislike them because they were idol worshipers and Gentiles and stuff like that. He disliked them because they terrorized the Israelites. They, it was just, they constantly annoyed the, the people of God. They were not just annoyed, they would massacre them. They would kill them. And, and Jonah's like, I don't like these people. I don't even want to go... I don't like them enough to not even go tell them that you're going to send judgment to them. I just want you to blindside them, God. Because Jonah understood something about God's judgment. That when God judges, it's an element of his mercy. And before we, we, we get in, we got to understand some character of God. So he has eternal attributes and he has temporary attributes. And I want us to get this. Mercy... And judgment are temporary attributes of God. They are not eternal. He has mercy because of an eternal attribute. He is love. God is love. That is who he is. It's not a character trait. He is love. Because he is love, he shows mercy. Mercy is not getting something you deserve. 
but God is holy. Because he is holy, he judges sin. So his holiness demands wrath and judgment. His love demands mercy and grace. So we have God at a crossroads within himself. He's not schizophrenic, okay? I've once heard a message on this at CBC called Schizophrenic God, and they were pointing out that he's not schizophrenic. But it can almost seem that way because who he is says, show mercy. But who he is says, judge sin. And there is literally a conflict within God. Until he comes and makes everything right, he will always have this conflict between judgment of sin and showing mercy to sinners. I know that's a hard thing, because like, well, I've never really thought about that. I know. But what we see here is God's judgment of sin, but mercy to sinners. And the Bible says in John chapter 1 that Jesus is full of both truth, that's judgment, and grace, that's mercy. There, there will come a day when Jesus steps back and he sets everything right and his judgment and his mercy will go and we'll just know his love and we'll just know his holiness. And there will be no more sin, there will be no more death, there will be none of that. But until that day, there's going to be a conflict. God's holiness demands judgment on sin. He does not like it. It's an affront to who he is. God's love demands mercy to sinners. So, with that understanding, when I say God sees you, he saw the Ninevites in their sin. He saw the Ninevites' sin. He saw every nuance of every one of their lives. Some of us, when I say God sees you, you're like, like, (laughs) and the first thing I thought when I wrote it, I was like, oh, that's creepy. You know, like, it's not in a creepy sense. It's not in a judgment like he's going to smash you, strike you with lightning, all that stuff since. It's actually in, I see you because I love you. And I care for you enough to not let you keep going the way you are because you will destroy yourselves. God sees you because he loves you. And so there there are two things I, I, I want to just throw out today. The first thought, God sees you with eyes of love. God sees you with eyes of love. Like, I want us to get this. He saw the Ninevites, and they were horridly wicked. They were awful. And yet, God did not, he he could, he could have rightly just sent down wrath and not gave them any warning. He could have, because he's God. He doesn't have to warn us about anything. But he doesn't because he sees people and he loves people. Like, we got to get this. And so if you are stuck and you you feel like, man, I can't overcome this, or, man, I'm I'm fighting, you know, it it could be uh, sin, it could be addiction, it could be any number of things, 
and I say God sees you and suddenly you feel judgment and you feel condemned. That's the enemy. Quit feeling that way. God sees you with eyes of love. He wants to help you. He wants to work with you. He, he loved the Ninevites enough to send a prophet from Israel to them. And he reached them the exact way they need to be heard. If Jonah would have just went, guess what? They wouldn't have listened. But since they worshiped this guy named Dagon, who's a fish god, and then suddenly Jonah gets thrown up out of the belly of a giant fish, he smells like it, and probably they, they probably would have saw it, because Nineveh is on a river. It, it's next to it, because all these major cities, they had to be. Like, that's how they got commerce and survived. It was on a river. I believe, doesn't say this, but I believe that that fish made it up that river and threw Jonah right up in front of everyone. And then, and then word spread about this guy that got thrown out of a belly. Imagine worshiping a fish god and someone comes walking out of the belly of a fish. And he's saying, judgment's coming in three days. You're going to die. What, what, what are you, you going to do? You know, or judgment's coming. You guys are going to die. He didn't get any hope in his message either, FYI. There was no repent and you'll be saved. Jonah did not like them at all. He didn't even give any hope. But when he spoke, but that's the cool thing. All he did was he spoke exactly what God told him to do, and it led to repentance. He didn't water it down. He didn't try to make it more palatable. He really thought God was just going to destroy him. But yet God had something in mind with this giant city. Probably millions of people. If it took three days to walk across. And everyone repents. God sees with eyes of love. He sees with eyes of love. And this is a trait that he still does to in his church today. I'm going to read a section of scripture out of 1 Corinthians. But there is this guy in the Corinthian church in the first century that... He was engaged in very immoral acts in the church. And Paul, being a pastor, he has to address this, led by the Holy Spirit. This dude was having an affair with a stepmom. And he was saying, kick that guy out of your church. That's wrong. He's unrepentant. And this is what he says here. And I want us to get something. Even though I am not with you in person, I am with you in spirit. This is 1 Corinthians 5, 3-5. As though I were there, I have already passed my judgment on this man in the name of the Lord Jesus. You must call a meeting of the church. I will present you, I will be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of the Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan, so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved when the Lord returns. I want you to get what, G what, what Paul literally just said because sometimes we can be like, yeah, kick him out, you know, and then he goes on, like I would, go read it, 1 Corinthians 5. He goes on to say, you shouldn't be happy about this. You shouldn't be bragging about this. That's what he's telling the church. He says, you got to get rid of the bad yeast because it'll work into the whole, the whole dough. you got to get rid of it right now. But why did he do it? 
Why did he say kick him out? Why? The reality is because when God sends judgment and he hands us over, and Paul says to Satan, he knows that sin is a dead-end street. You can only go down it so far before you hit the end and you have to turn around and look. And he's saying is this will lead to repentance. If a person is not repentant on the path that they're walking, when they hit the end of the dead-end street of sin, they will turn and they will see God and he's right there with loving hands. Whenever God judges, it's always in mercy. Because God loved that dude enough in the church to say, I'm going to hand you over for a season. But I know when you're done with all this crap in your life, you're going to turn around. I'm going to be right there to embrace you with loving arms, with, lo- with, 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 with tender care. This is a character of God. Because he doesn't want to send judgment on you. He doesn't want to send judgment on this world. He, doesn't want, he wants to love them. Why do you think Jesus came and died? So we can avoid the judgment and wrath of God because he loves people. So when I say God sees you, the Ninevites, you think, you think we're bad. The United States is, well, I mean, we're, we're, we're getting pretty bad. <laughs> but our, our, I guess we're probably more sanitary. We know how to clean up blood now. But our streets aren't running with blood. We worship a majority of us worship, or a lot of us worship the God of the Bible. The Ninevites had none of that. They had no Yahweh influence or Jehovah or God influence of the Bible in their society. And yet God still, he judged them to show mercy on them so they can repent and turn to him. And these weren't even Israelites. These were a different people group. But God sees you with eyes of love. If you're going through it, if you feel like there's no way God can love me. No, he does, and he will. And he might let you continue to go down that path of destruction for a while, so you turn to him. When you're at the bottom, there's only one way to look, right? Because sin is a dead-end street. If you're in sin today, I'm not saying keep going. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying repent. Don't get to the bottom. Don't, get, don't let it go that far. If you're watching, don't let it go that far. Repent now. Because sin always takes more than what it promises to give. It robs you. It destroys you. It ends relationships. And it starts relationships with things that you don't need. And it will lead to the bottom. And the bottom looks different for every person. Sometimes we think the bottom is like homelessness, broke, no family. That could be the bottom for some. But you know, every day millionaires commit suicide because they're at the end of their rope, because they feel like they're at the bottom. The bottom looks different for everyone. When we get to the end of our rope, the only way that we can continue is to turn around and go back. And God's right there as soon as you turn around. I don't care how far you run from him. I don't care how much you've done. When when you turn around, God's only one step away because he's chasing you. Because God sees you with eyes of love. He saw the Ninevites with eyes of love. And he's chasing you because he loves you. He cares for you. And the second thought I want to give you real quick is God cares enough to send help. 
He cares enough to send help. You could be that help for someone if you love Jesus. Don't, don't pull a Jonah. Don't run. Because if God's asking you to do something, it's because he's wanting you to help someone else. God cares enough in your life to send help to you, and then he cares enough in others' life to send help through you. God cares enough to send help. He saw the Ninevites and he said, I'm going to send a prophet for my own people. My chosen people, I'm going to send a prophet to them to speak to them. They're so desperate lost in their wickedness. No influence of God in their life. And God sent help. Man, this, this last week, I told you a little bit about last Sunday's message. And... Um, the, I, I wrote it, but on Saturday, not yesterday, but a week ago Saturday, I, about 3 o'clock, I felt something change, like in my spirit. And the best way I know how to describe it is it felt like someone, if you have a phone, there's this button called airplane mode. And what airplane mode is, it basically is you tap that button and it shuts off your Wi-Fi and your mobile signal. So it basically disconnects your phone from all signals. Your, your apps, some of them will still work, and you, know, you can still do things on your phone. It's still functioning, but it has no mobile signal pouring into it. And it can't get Wi-Fi. It can't get anything. And about 3 o'clock last Saturday, I was just sitting there, and I just felt like, my signal got shut off. I, I don't know how else to describe it. It's like I felt a shift. And I was like, God? And I know, say this all the time, we don't live life by feelings. I know that God did not leave me. I know that he did not forsake me. I know that he was with me and that he's for me. I know all that. And that didn't rock my world. I know, But I just didn't feel him. It, I, felt, I felt like that's so weird. So uh, about you know 3.30 or 4, I said, Ames, because it just was started gnawing on me. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't like this feeling. I, I hate it actually. And I said, Ames, I think I need to go pray. And she said, okay. Can you wait till after dinner? I said, okay. Because I wanted to come up to the church and pray and just kind of be alone. And I ate dinner. I came up here and I spent a while in prayer and it just, that feeling never went away. Like, God, I know you're here with me. I know you're speaking to me. But I feel so severed, honestly. Like my airplane mode was on. And so I came home, and I was just wrestling with all sorts of stuff. And I felt, honestly, like I was under demonic attack. Like something was pressing down on my spirit that was suppressing the spirit of God. I, that's what I felt. No, no bones about it. I'm just going to be real with you. That's what I felt. And I told Amy that when I got home that night. And she prayed with me. Um, she prayed a powerful prayer. And it was what I needed to hear. But then I turned to Sky and I said, um, I, you know, I, heard, I, I shared it a little bit last week. And 
I was getting ready for bed, and I just turned to Scott. I said, what do you think God would say to me? I was just so desperate to hear his voice. <laughs> I know that's... Normally, I don't turn to my five-year-old, and she said, I think God would say, your enemy is a liar, and you don't need to believe another word that comes out of his mouth. All you need to do is humbly worship me. I said, wow, because that was, that was exactly what I needed to hear. Um, she actually corrected me last Sunday when I was sharing it with someone. She said, actually, let me, how did she start? She said, she said, you need to stop this. Your enemy is a liar. And then, so, like, as soon as she said that, like, it was like my airplane mode got turned off. And I was like, whoa, yep, yep, there it's, like, I felt normal again. I felt like that pulled off of me. But I say all this that after church last Sunday, I was, talking to um, some friends of ours and they're they're like grandparents to our kids and I would just t they asked me how church was going and everything and um, how the service went and I said man like yesterday man I just felt like I was under such attack she goes what time I said it started about three o'clock and I got to be honest when I was in here praying man I felt fear and anxiety and that's not me like I, I was afraid like What's in the shadows? Like, that's not me. Usually I'm like, let's get the anointing oil. Let's kick some devils in the face. And, but I was like, God, like, I, I was afraid. It was so weird. And I'm like, I don't like this feeling at all. And um, she said, wow, because at 3 o'clock the Lord told me that you're under attack and I need to pray for courage over your life. And she thought, oh, that's that doesn't sound like you, God, because when I think of Ryan, I don't think of someone who needs courage. I'm like, well, thank you. I, when I think of Ryan, I think of someone who needs courage every Sunday, every day to roll out of bed to face my son because he punches like a man. Um, no, I, uh, like, I feel like I need courage, but she said, I just started praying. I just start, I started praying for you, and then later that night, I just felt like I could stop. And I was like, she's like, I should have called you. I'm like, no, I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you didn't call me. Because it means more to me right now hearing that, that when I was going through it, when I felt like so, I, I, I felt so discouraged. Like, I, I don't know how else to describe last Saturday. But God sent help because he loves us. He cares enough to help. God loves you enough to help. God sees you. You don't. You have people praying for you that you don't even know about because God loves you. He's sending help even now. And not only can you receive that, but you can be that. The Ninevites didn't know Jonah was coming. If it was up to Jonah, he would have never came. But God, but God sees you with eyes of love. And God cares enough to send help. Even now, there are people praying for you. Man, I, I pray over these prayer cards. I don't know, please use that wall, but our staff and people stop by and they pray over the prayer needs. And you guys don't even know. But people are praying for you all the time because God cares enough to send help. You're not going through it alone. You're not You're not. You're not alone in your struggle. 
Because God cares enough to send help. Then, if you will. As I was praying and preparing for this message, I felt like the Lord told me to do something. And I'm going to do it. Because there's people in here that need help. There are people in here that are facing physical disabilities. There are people in here that are facing almost, I would say, emotional disabilities. There are people in here that need prayer. And so what I need us to do as a church, and this is a group participation, okay? I need us to work together, and I need our faith to be here. So let's all stand for a moment. I believe there are people in here that are, are fighting. Um, the, the, there's, there's someone in here with an ankle injury. There are people in here with back injuries. There, there are people in here that have um, stuff going on in their eyes. There are people in here that are fi- facing um, bad doctor's reports that they haven't even told anyone about yet. Um, there are people in here that even now they're, they're having anxiety. And I'm going to ask you to do something. And this might be out of your comfort level. I know like some of us are people people. Like me, I like people. There's some of us that are introverts. We're like, oh, it's God's grace. I'm here and I'm ready. It's just by God's grace that I'm here right now. I, I know that. And I'm not trying to be awkward for anyone, but I believe that God's about to heal some people. I believe that God's about to show up in some people's lives. And so if you're facing any sort of physical thing, God sees you and he cares enough to send help. And we are a church and the Holy Spirit is on us and he works through us to do supernatural things. So if you're here with the physical element, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Please, everyone, I want you to look around. This is not an eyes, eyes shut moment. I want you to look around for the people who have physical ailments. Everyone who doesn't have your hand up right now, I want you to extend a hand to those. If you're close, I guess you can put your hand on their shoulder. I want you to pray. And we're going to take... And I want, like, hey, I, I don't, I, I would rather you pray a one-minute prayer of knowing what to pray for than a 10-minute prayer spitting in the dark. So ask the person what you can pray for. What physical ailment is going on? Okay? Ask them. It's going to take faith. Ask them. Right now, raise your hands again. Let's find someone. Find someone. Ask them. What can we pray for? What can I pray for?
chapters in John. Ask anything in my name, and the fa my Father in heaven will do it. We have whole doctrines and theologies of why God doesn't answer prayer. But I'm here to tell you that my God is in the habit of answering and healing people. So the question is, the question is, do you feel that you've been healed? You're going to keep walking. You're going to keep feeling. You're going to keep noticing. And God's going to do it. Now the second thing, group of people, there are people in here that are dealing with the emotional side that need God to meet with them. There are people in here that are hurting. There are people in here that are battling battles that we don't even know about. And I... If you're willing, I would like you to just raise your hand if you're one of those people. We bear one another's burdens. That might cause anxiety for some of you. But if, if, you, if you're facing something emotionally and you need prayer. Yeah. Some hands over here. Anyone else? Okay. What I want us to do is I want us to extend our hands. Father, I pray right now. thanking him. Let's just start thanking Jesus. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I did what you asked me to do. I do believe, Lord, that you're going to, not only that you can, but that you have. I thank you, Father, that there are going to be reports coming in, uh, report after report after report of healings taking place of man, I, I, I was having arthritis, but now I have full mobility. Oh, my hip's no longer hurting. Lord, I believe. Lord, I thank you. Man, I, I believe this so much. This last, this last, uh, was it Thursday? When was it? Friday? When I stopped at Walgreens. Thursday, I was coming back, I was getting gas, and you know, it's those little things, but I opened my wallet to get my debit card out to pay at the pump, you know, all the rigmarole that you have to go through, and I saw $1 there, and I thought, where did that come from? Because the only thing I ever have in my wallet are receipts, so if you guys rob me, just be disappointed, 
Just know that. <laughs> and I'm like, how, like, but it was crazy. I didn't have any receipts, but I had one dollar. Where did this come from? I honestly was baffled. So I'm driving away. I'm by Kroger and Walgreens over by Walmart, and I see this dude leaning up against the wall, and he's homeless. And I felt like the Lord said, "Go give him your dollar." All right, so I turned around, I parked, I walked up, and all I had was a dollar. I said, dude, I, um, what's your name? And he gave me his name, and I was like, Here, dude, I just want to give you this. Can I talk to you for a moment? Started talking with him, found out his story, and he, he lost his job because he has horrible sciatica. It's like I can barely walk. In fact, I just got out of the hospital. They kicked me out at 7 a.m. this morning, but the pain was so bad last night. I, I just, I couldn't stand it. And said, dude, I believe that God's going to heal you. I'm going to pray for you. And I believe that you're going to feel burning in your hip, but then the pain's going to be gone. And we prayed. I said, where's your pain at? He said, I don't have any pain. I don't have any pain at all. I said, did you have pain before? He's like, yeah. That's why I was leaning over on my other side because it hurts so bad. He's like, but now I can move my leg. There's no pain. And then this gentleman, he, I just told him that God loved him and he cared, cares for him and that he sees him. Like he saw him at that Walgreens and he told me to come talk to him. And he ends up giving his heart to Jesus because God sees you. And he cares enough to send help. And then as I was praying for this message, the Lord told me to have the church pray for one another for healing. And I believe God doesn't just do things like that. He does it to heal us. Because healings are, are proof that we're preaching the right gospel. And they glorify God. And so what we're going to do now, we're going to celebrate Jesus. But we're going to take communion. And we're going to remember what Jesus did for us. As we celebrate freedom, I believe, I believe as we celebrate the freedom this nation gives us to celebrate Jesus freely, we're going to celebrate Jesus freely because he set us free from sin, death, and the grave. He set us free. He's healed our bodies. He's, he's healed our emotions. He's walking with us. Maybe you don't feel different right now. He's walking with you. He sees you. He sees you. And as Pastor Ben leads, we're going to pray. We're going to take this. In fact, let's just do this right now. Please, come get some. backwards and upside down kingdom we live in a backwards and upside down kingdom and it's a, such a beautiful thing you know to celebrate a nation we shoot off fireworks and there's grand explosions and all that stuff but to celebrate Jesus we have a simple cracker and a cup to remember what he did for us because the grand explosion that that he went through happened at a tomb 2,000 years ago and he doesn't have to show anything grand 
We just got to remember what he did for us. And so let's take, you're still working the, the cracker, I understand. Sometimes I pray over these so that they come open easily. Let's just remember, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for what you've done for us. Jesus, I thank you because you are enough. I thank you that you not only set us free from hell, death, and the grave, and you paid our penalty that we can never pay, but Lord Jesus, you love us and you see us and you care enough to not just do that, but to, to go through beatings for our healing. So I speak healing over this body in the name of Jesus. Lord, and I thank you for the testimony that will come in the backs are going to be completely healed. Even now, the people are going to feel that hips are going to be completely healed. That, that, that doctor's reports are going to change. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Let's take. says without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin and the shedding of this blood happened according to Hebrews once and for all once and for all your past, your present your future, God covered it under his blood he paid the penalty, you can't earn it, I can't earn it we can't do anything to to to, to earn it. It's a free gift. It's just a simple thank you, Jesus, for paying, for paying everything on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus, for setting us free, for liberating us. We thank you. On this Independence Day, we celebrate a different Independence Day. For setting us free. That though we might be put in jail, we are more free because you are in us. That we have freedom that the world does not know. We thank you, Jesus, for what you did. For living a life that we can never live. For dying the death that we all deserve. And for shedding your blood to make us white. As impure and righteous in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Let's take. And let's celebrate as Pastor Ben leads. There's nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. Oh, sing it out. Nothing is impossible for you. My world in, come on, sing it out, nothing. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. 
have for us, Lord. We thank you that you are a healer, that you have done so much today, God, in our hearts and in our bodies and in our minds, God. We thank you for who you are, Lord. You are so good. And God, I pray right now a blessing of, of, of prayer over this congregation, God. I pray right now that you would protect them from what the enemy is going to to, to try to say to them, Lord, even as we're leaving, that you're not healed and he didn't heal you. God, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And I speak healing, continuing healing over this body. God, and I pray right now that you would just be with them throughout this week, that you would use them throughout this week. God, give them opportunity to share your word. Give us opportunity to share who you are. Give us an opportunity to share our story with our family, with our friends, with our neighbors, with our coworkers. God, I pray right now that you would bless each and every person that is here, that you would put your hand of protection upon them, and that you would put your hand of, of forgiveness and freedom upon them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Happy 4th of July. Have a great, great Sunday. Thank you for being here. We will see you next week.